Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So we are in a sermon series called Revolutionary Advent. It's great. We're having a good time. We're looking at uh, the revolutionary implications of this Advent story. Uh, the Christmas story isn't just Hallmark cards, y'all. Like there is, there's some juicy stuff going on there. There are things talking about power. There are things talking about peace. There, uh, there are parts that are deeply describing the new world that Jesus is bringing. So when we talk about revolution, you know, revolution is in Spanish it's related to raíz. It's the it's the kind of the same sense of like you have to go down to the root of something and completely uproot it from the from the very base. That's what revolution means. And so we're looking at uh, what God is doing, what revolutionary work God is doing in the world now. There will be a time after the uh, sermon for us to hear from you, and we would love to hear from the community, uh, either anything written out in the chat or uh, online uh, or on site. The question that I want you to focus on is, when is a time when you were in an argument and then you found peace? Whether that was from someone kind of negotiating peace or like what happened such that peace could be part of your reality, yeah. Yeah, so that's what the, uh, (laughs) I already sense in the crowd like lots of like, okay, so I can tell you which arguments I'm in right now. Peace. Where is peace? Peace. Peace. I think I'm fresh out of peace right now. Yeah. Well, welcome to church. That's that's what we're all here to explore. Um, As we enter into this text, I want to start with an exercise. I would like you to envision what would your life be like if leaders did exactly what love called them to do? What would your life be like? Okay, so we're just going to go into this little envisioning moment right now. Okay, so, so uh, you wake up and, um, and start moving around wherever you live. And I want you to notice, like, what um, amenities would be in your house? Like what, like, what would it feel like to relate to these, like, public uh, goods that is run in this city that, where the leaders do exactly what love, love calls them to do? And uh, maybe you look out a window and see a neighbor or neighbors, and I want you to think about, how would I relate to neighbors if we were set up to love each other well? Mm-hmm. And so maybe you get ready for the day, and then, and then you go out, and, and you're walking down the street, and you can think about the street that's right in front of your house. Think of the, the colors and the textures, the sights and the sounds. What would it smell like in a city where the leaders are doing exactly what love calls them to do? What differences do you notice to your right and to your left as love infuses into this city more and more? It's not not saying that this is some utopia, like, you know, we still, there's still like gravity and there's, you know, there's still things that we can't work around, engineer around, but there is a lot that could change, isn't there? Hmm. I know that for me, 
initially I start thinking about kind of like more superficial things like, you know, I bet there would be more trees on the street and I bet um, uh, everyone would have a house to live in. And, and, you know, I start thinking about like just uh, shifts from our current reality. But the more I dig into this, the more I cultivate a prophetic imagination, the more I start to think about deeper questions, like maybe instead of having more trees lined in the streets, we should invent a way for us to not need streets. <laughs> like maybe, maybe our transportation should not have to rely on the explosion of dinosaur fossils, <laughs> of which we have a very limited amount, and which is destroyed. Like what would our world actually look like if the full investment of our city, every line item on the budget, had to be justified based off the lens of liberating love? Like, what, what would our leadership, uh, how would they run their elect, elections and their campaigns if they knew that the most important thing that people would be voting for was love? Uh, what would it look like for the poor in the city of Minneapolis, for the black and indigenous communities, for the disabled, for the undocumented? Would there be undocumented? <laughs> These are the questions that we start to ask ourselves. And of course, like, for those of you who don't identify as Christian, you can do this exercise, and, and it can be very beneficial just to, as an intellectual, conceptual uh, exercise to start thinking about things. But for people who um, are trying to cultivate faith, for people who are trying to cultivate a relationship with God, this is a matter of deep urgency and prayer. This is what it feels like to pray when we're talking about being prophetic. Like, like God... What would this city look like if your love was the guiding principle for everything that we did? That's kind of like what it means to be a person of faith. See, it's not just about feeling good and, and having um, solid emotional regulation, even though my hour of welcoming prayer every morning does provide me that. <laughs> and, and of course, like it's not just about awe, even though gathering together and worship and singing together does create awe in me. It's about creating a, um, this deep hunger that reflects the hunger that God has for the world. It's about cultivating the Christ consciousness, is one, is one word in the New Testament, that's kind of saying, like, God, I want, I want my brain to kind of look a little bit more like your imagination, and I want to practice this every single day. I want to practice this with every conversation. Every time I step out onto the street, I want to be looking and trying to understand what God wants for this space, what God wants for this world. We've been imagining that ourselves uh, over these past six months as we're considering whether or not uh, we want leadership of this building and, and whether or not we want to create space for, uh, for new and amazing things to happen. And, and again and again, the community says, God is doing something amazing in this space, and, and we can cultivate what uh, a lot of people call the peaceable kingdom. The peaceable kingdom is the vision um, uh, of Isaiah that is in Isaiah 11. The peaceable kingdom. What does it look like for us to actually be able to live in robust peace, deep peace? Not cheap peace, by the way, not just 
Like your family's Thanksgiving meal where you're just like, don't talk about the hard things. That's cheap peace. But what does it mean to find deep peace? What does it mean to find a robust peace where you find rest in your soul? What does it mean for that that deep stirring that's keeping you up at night to finally be able to unclench and say, it is well with my soul. That's what the peaceful kingdom is about, and that's what Isaiah is driven towards. But there's something that has happened to this text that is decidedly unbiblical and unchristian. Uh, there's something that has happened to this Isaiah 11 text that talks about the lion living with the lamb and all that. Is It's become kind of... Um, commodified and and fairytaleized. It's kind of like, well, wouldn't it be nice to live in this land of the, of the <laughs> that's as close to the Irish accent as I'm gonna get. Ooh, uh, uh, like I just watched the movie Disenchanted with my little uh, Brian's nephew. Did you did any of you see Disenchanted? Cash grab. So it was like it was fine, but it was like all about this like Andalasia. How do we skip around and find this fairy tale world? I just want things to be easy. And Isaiah ain't Andalasia. <laughs> like Isaiah isn't disenchanted. This is a deeply political text, and it would have been understood as a deeply political text at the time because Isaiah was writing this prophetic uh, proclamation of what God wants in the world in a context where there were kings and rulers and warring armies, and Isaiah's looking at all of this and saying, like, y'all are missing the mark. The, the, the peace that God has planted in you is not coming to fruition because you're not imagining the world like God is imagining the world. You're not cultivating this consciousness of God. And how in the world are we going to create peace if we can't even imagine peace? And so Isaiah is like really trying to, to push people, uh, particularly the king of Assyria at the time. And he, like the, the chapters before this are like scathing criticisms of the king of Assyria. Um, and uh, the incoming invasion into his community, military invasion into his community. And so instead, he's like, let me just give you a job description of what a king is supposed to be like. And so it's like a job, like, like Isaiah 11 is like, this is what you're supposed to do. And we read the job description, right? Like uh, a, a king is supposed to be wise. A ruler, a leader is supposed to be wise. Implication the rulership, uh, the kingship that I'm seeing right now is not being wise, and so I'm trying to remind you, like, we're, this is what we're shooting for here, folks. Uh, the, the, the king should seek counsel, not just be driven by his own ego, but, like, be listening to other people. Wow, wow. Uh, not, um, there should be a knowledge and an awe of God. We heard about um, the delight in the fear of God. That's kind of like, um, th there's this sense of, knowing that even if you're in charge of something, you're not the ruler, you're not the dictator, you're not the controller of that thing, that there's something greater than all of this. Like, imagine if all of our leadership had a strong connection to something greater than them. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the peaceable kingdom king or ruler uh, person treats the poor and oppressed justly. This is an emphatic theme in the book of Isaiah, by the way. Uh, Isaiah's like, you want to know how things are going? Ask the poor. You want to you want to see how the king's doing? Like ask the people who are doing the worst, and that is the litmus test for a healthy society. 
So, like, I know that the U.S. is, like, the wealthiest country in the history of money. And I know that uh, I, I, we are now, like, inventing amazing things. Elon Musk just released... Oh, did you see this? Elon Musk just uh, released that he's pushing for the medical right to be able to implant things in the brain. <laughs> he's literally going into, like, brain, like, neuro implantations. That's, like, what Elon Musk is doing. But Isaiah says... A society isn't, um, a healthy society isn't determined by how well the richest are doing. The health of a society is determined by how well the poorest are doing, how well the most marginalized are doing. That's the litmus test. And so, like, forget Elon Musk. Like, go to one of the encampments in the city of Minneapolis and ask how our leadership is doing. Uh, go to the folks who are down at the border and ask how our leadership is doing. Like that is the litmus test for whether or not we're living in the peaceable kingdom. And Isaiah says like, hey, I'm giving you a prophetic reminder lest you forget what it means to be a king. Lest you forget what it means to steward the authority and responsibility that God has given you. It's a job description. Oh, and, uh, and then uh, this like peaceable kingdom is about someone who can effectively use nonviolence. Did you pick up in the scripture how this person is supposed to kill the wicked? Through breath, through words, not through the sword, which there is abundant imagery of, not through the chariot, but saying like, the way that you live and breathe, the words from your mouth should be so effective, skilled, insightful, loving, that all of the greed and evil in society is automatically slain away. <laughs> like all of our, all of the, the scarcity mindsets, all of the fearfulness and desire for controlling other people will go away by the breath of an effective leader. Woo! You know, our prayer life is so impacted by our relationship to breath. Uh, how we connect to God is so impacted by whether or not we are taking deep breaths with the lungs that God gave us. And so this is saying, like, if we are to have a peaceable kingdom, we need someone who has so robust of a breath life that they're able to um, drive away the, the most fearful parts of the human soul because of how safe that society is. It will be so safe, in fact, that the lion will be able to live with the lamb. And I just want to name that for a lot of folks at New City, you didn't get too much time to be a lamb before you grew up and realized that you had to be a lion in this world. Uh, for a lot of folks at New City, you had to grow up quick, um, realizing that um, maybe your parents' income isn't going to be enough to make ends meet, and so now you're picking up a job even when you're a kid, when you're a kid, um, that, that no one else is going to be watching your siblings, and so now you are going to be watching your siblings. Um, maybe someone has betrayed you or hurt you. Maybe your expectations have not been met. Maybe you, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable in a relationship or in, in a setting that did not honor that vulnerability. And then you realized that there isn't as much safety in the world as you had hoped there would be. Each of us, at some point or another, has had to 
draw upon our inner lion because we realize that the world is full of predators, <laughs> that the world is not safe. And so we learn to grow claws and we sharpen our teeth, not because the lion is bad, but because we have to preserve ourselves and we have to survive somehow. And a lot of times our instinct is, in order to survive, I have to shut down, I have to close off, I have to um, be safe. And, uh, and what I love about this vision of Isaiah is he's saying, like, there is a world in which we can reclaim our innocence. There is a future that God desires for you where even your most protective self can finally unclench, <laughs> can finally relax into this situation, and you can once again believe that there's hope in the world. There, I, I feel like this vision is so tactile and beautiful of Isaiah saying like we know that there's a lot of harm and there's a lot of, of people who will not um, honor the vulnerability that you are giving them but what if what if if we cultivate enough of a God consciousness what if we have our leaders uh, make decisions according to liberating love we could cultivate something where even the most scared and fearful part of yourself can come back home. You know, Parker Palmer says, the soul is like a wild animal. It is, uh, it is fearsome, and it, it can survive, and it's scrappy, and it knows how to get by. But it's also skittish. It also runs away really easily. I don't know if you've ever like uh, encountered like a stray dog. It's like it's really hard to catch a stray dog, right? Because they're just um, uh, running away so much, and that's like our soul. And so the only way to allow our soul to come back home, the only way for us to find ourselves, is to be able to sit so peacefully and so safely that slowly, slowly, the wild animal of our soul can return back to us. This is what I believe Isaiah is talking about. A world that allows people to discover who they are in God. That's what it means uh, to cultivate a, pr um, um, a prophetic imagination. And I just want to name also, lest we become one of those like kind of new agey, only looking at your own stuff and not looking at anyone else, um, I want to name, looking at our own victimization and not naming how we ourselves are victimizing people. I want to name that like sometimes when we become lions, we are harming other sheep and lambs in our world. That sometimes out of our own fear and our own hurt and our own stuff, we are putting things on other people that make them close up as well. There is like a momentum loop here, right? Where it's like, where we're like, yeah, uh, you got hurt, something happened to you, but now the trajectory of that hurt echoes forward as you're continuing to hurt other people. Like sometimes we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask, like, am I the thing that, um, am I, are there parts of me that need to be blown away by the breath of God? <laughs> are there parts of me that I'm clenching onto too hard? that I kind of need to release so that I can rediscover my own inner lamb <laughs> and so that I can cultivate that in other people. Um, so that's, I really, do you see how political this is though? Like Isaiah was like, 
this is about our soul, but this is also about community, and this is also about leadership. Like, do you see how all of these things are so interrelated in the prophetic imagination that it almost doesn't make sense to talk about the story of this next, uh, of, of the ideal ruler without also thinking about, like, the world that that ruler would operate in? And, and, you know, like, in the, in the Jewish tradition, it was like, yeah, this is what we're looking for, and, uh, and this is a, a person who is going to unite the diaspora of the Jewish people, and there's, like, some military implications of this, like, like well, this is what we're looking for. And then Jesus comes along, and a lot of folks were like, this guy ain't it. <laughs> like he's, this is when we're talking about like the root of Jesse and the United, like Jesus. Uh, like he's he's not the one. He's he's not the one because look at how much suffering is still going on. Um, look at how many. I mean, not Jesus wasn't the only one being crucified. Like look at how much how many crucifixions are happening in our society. How can you say that that this guy who wears sandals and like eats bread is like the one who's going to be changing all of our world and all of our society? And, uh, and the Christian tradition kind of sprung off when we said, like, you know what? Actually, this is God on earth. Actually, Jesus is embodying all the things that we're talking about, but he's going about accomplishing it in a way that is a totally different imagination from how the empire imagines things. You know, because the empire imagination is like, the the whoever is going to beat the um, occupiers are going to be the people who gather the biggest military, who are the people who put up the biggest fight, the people who are the strongest lions in the world. And Jesus was like, I'm going to show you a different way. I'm going to show you a lamb of God kind of way. I'm going to show you a prince of peace kind of way that so radically flips the empire on its head that you won't even be able to recognize it. Jesus was showing us that the, the God who created the universe wants us to live with so much love and so much compassion that we carry the power of the lion but lead with the innocence of the lamb. That, that somehow together, by creating disciples, by feeding people, by giving people health care, we are going to create the peaceable kingdom even in the midst, even in the shadow of the empire. This is what Advent is about. Do you understand, like, this season leading up to Christmas isn't just about, like, wow, it's so nice to feel warm and the whatever. It's the season of Christmas is, like, I'm trying to remember what it means for God to be bringing about a new world. I'm preparing my heart so that on Christmas, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I'm going to look around and things are not going to be fixed or perfect, but I will have a renewed sense of what the revolutionary spirit of God is calling into the world. That's what this is all about, by the way. That's like a whole reason for the season is like we're trying to like become like Christ consciousness in the world so that we can we can change everything. And so um, if you're following along the Advent devotional that uh, New City Church has, we have uh, each day an, an interesting question for you to start thinking about how you can create peace in your world and peace in your relationships. And so here's the questions that we have for this week. If you, um, by the way, are, if you didn't grab the Advent devotional, I believe we might have some more on the back table, but you can also take a picture of uh, this slide right here. And so um, we're asking questions like, name one person I feel in right relationship with, and try, you know, start thinking about like, what is it about that that 
is right relationship. One person in my life who is really loving, like maybe someone you might want to uh, emulate or respect or maybe just give some kudos to, and one person I'm praying for patience with, <laughs> no one, no one, just me? Okay, uh, one person I'd like to know better, a person with a marginalized identity that I also have that I can listen to today. So thinking about like in an intersectional way, like what is a marginalized identity that you have and how can you center the voice of someone who shares that identity so that you can discover some of your own do you know what I mean by marginalization? Like if you're kind of shut out by society or oppressed in some way. So thinking about like, if I'm queer, who's a queer person I can listen to today as I discover the revolutionary power of queerness? That multiplied by like, you know, every identity and sense. And then, uh, uh, what is, who is a marginalized person with an identity that I don't have that I can listen to today? Because here's the funny thing about intersectionality, none of us encompass 100% of the marginalized identities in society. Like, all of us can listen to someone <laughs> to, uh, to be centering marginalized voices, and that's how we uh, discover Jesus. And lastly, something that legitimately angers me about the world we're in. Uh, if you read through the book of Isaiah, you know that Isaiah is angry, and that anger is a potent, powerful emotion that when channeled into the right areas of life can explode open the Christ consciousness that you need to be able to live like God in the world. Honor your anger, recognize your anger, channel your anger towards, uh, towards a world where lions and lambs can live together in your own home, in your own streets, in our church community, and in the world. Amen? Amen!